Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, everybody. I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode, number 47 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about sewing stuff. Sewing stuff. Well, that's real specific, isn't it? <laughs> we're not going to be sewing stuff. Not sewing stuff, but the stuff. You use for sewing to get to get it done. I get it. Okay. So, uh, gee, that, that could be a lot of different things from sewing machines and needles and parts and thimbles and thread and patterns can be all kinds of things. What, sure. What, tell me about uh, your experience with, with sewing. I know that you've done a lot of sewing yourself, right? Yes, I like to sew. Mm-hmm. And I actually miss sewing. I, I have my sewing machine out on my dining room table now mm-hmm. and um, because I had to hem my husband's pants. So that wasn't fun, but... <laughs> <laughs> Only because I always do it wrong, according to him. Oh, tell him to do it himself. I know, right? <laughs> but I think that, well, I can remember when Singer sewing machines, I actually had the Singer that was in the black case, the carrying case, and it was worth more money if you had the case. And, and I learned that early on, that it was more important to have, even you could sell the case without the sewing machine. People were looking for the replacement. Cases, right? Yeah, which brings us to parts. You know, sewing machine Mm -hmm. parts are usually, you know, they're all over the board. It just depends if it's a zipper foot or, you know, a part from an older model. So those model numbers are really important. A local fabric store, it's been closed for five or six years, but the, the owner recently passed away and she was quite elderly in her mid-90s when she passed, and she hasn't been running the store. But I saw a notice for an auction they had about two weeks ago in which they were selling through all of her fabric, and they had 50-plus sewing machines up for auction. And I said to my wife, Wife, (laughs) time to get you a new sewing machine. And she said, No, I'm happy with the one I've got. So, Oh. She used to do a lot of sewing, too. And believe it or not, even I used to do some sewing. Really? Yeah, not on a machine, but when I was doing, uh, had my restoration shop, I did warranty work for quite a few top retailers, Ethan Allen and Mastercraft and Kindle. And and a very common uh, service request was uh, for stitching seams on sofas and chairs because people would you know, get buy McMansions, and they'd buy oversized furniture. And when you sit on a couch or a chair and you've got, you know, your, your knees bending around the front of it and the back of the, the sofa is two feet away from your spine, <laughs> they tend to, they don't use pillows. They lean yeah. back and they, they pull on the seams and the stitching breaks. And the first, the first service call that I had for that, I quickly ran to Jill and said, Teach me how to invisible stitch, please. <laughs> so she did, and I learned it, and I went out the next day and did that, and 
uh, what they paid me for that, I said, I got to learn to do more of this stuff. So uh, I took a, a day off uh, every week. I went on Mondays for a year to uh, work at an upholstery shop. And the guy taught me everything I needed to know to do service calls. And I had a little sewing kit. And Nice. My biggest fear was stabbing myself with a needle and bleeding on expensive fabric. Oh, yes, yes, I can understand that. I used to like to make, uh, my twin girls were preemies, so they were little, and so mm -hmm. I would make, um, I would get Cabbage Patch sewing patterns, and mm -hmm. you could buy um, the patterns for the clothes for your Cabbage Patch dolls, and so I would make cute little outfits for them well, when they were babies. Wow, they were pretty small. Yeah, they were. Not anymore. No. <laughs> no, even their babies are big. <laughs> but the thing is, sewing patterns are, they're hard to come by anymore, especially the older ones. Right. And the Cabbage Patch ones are still out there, but they're not. You can't find them as, as much as you used to. Right. Well, I don't think that sewing is as popular now as it once was. There are still a lot of uh, people that do it. But when I was coming up, when I was in junior high school, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, all the boys took shop and all the girls took home ec. And right. the girls learned to... Sewing was part of the thing, sewing and cooking. And, yeah, I know that's not politically correct anymore. Right. But uh, that's the way it was back then. Yeah. But you don't see that anymore. One of the reasons I was able to use that skill in my restoration business was that these, these people would go out and buy these expensive uh, sofas and they couldn't stitch a two-inch seam. Yeah. They didn't know how to do it. And... I'm happy to take the money. Sure, of course. Of course. I know when I lived in New England, it was when flags became popular, and it was before they were made in China. And so I would make these custom flags out of canvas material so you could look at them on both ways. And it was when they were just before they hit the Dollar Tree and they hit, you know, stores like that. But I would customize them and get hundreds of dollars for them and, like, one family, um, they were into Scotty dogs, and so they, I customized one for them. And, right. you know, different families had them customized with different patterns. And that was fun. That let me be creative. And So you, you would have a good feel personally for uh, what's something, when you run into sewing paraphernalia, sewing stuff, for what the parts are, I wouldn't know a sewing foot, a sewing yeah. machine foot, if it hit me in the head. What kind of things have you run into, and where do you find them? Well, estate sales are a good place to start. If you're at an estate sale and you spot a sewing machine, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you spot a sewing machine, you can most of the time find um, a lot of sewing items. We used to do uh, estate sales often. Sometimes they were auctions. Sometimes they were tag sales. It depended on the the time of year and the rules in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And be through those sales, my wife became fond of pin cushions. Yes. She had a pin cushion 
that was just gorgeous. It was made of brass. It was the size and shape of a bird. It was hollow on the inside and on the back. It had, you know, the, the cushion. And then it had a clamp underneath so you could clamp it to your sewing table. Sure. And, you know, then she found another one that she liked and she wasn't using the bird one anymore. The one she, she replaced it with was larger. And I said, hmm, that's going on eBay. <laughs> so, with her permission, I sold it on eBay, but it didn't cost much at all, a dollar or two. And I think I sold it for about $75. So, nice. So that was that was nice. And she also had a collection of thimbles. Yes. For a long time, different kinds, metal and ceramic. And and uh, some of them are hand-painted. Uh, that's, that's an entire hobby collectible right there, selling thimbles. Yeah, there's some some thimbles that go for really big bucks. So mm -hmm. you really do have to pay attention to the design, the make, and all of those kind of things. And Worth Point, of course, is the best place to research all of that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. of the library. Looking at the the price guide, you'll you'll just be blown away if you just put in sewing thimble and highest price first. You'll just be blown away at the types of thimbles and what they sell for. And an 18th century silver thimble sold for $1,682. And it was by Hester Bateman, certified. And it was certified by Osprey Limited. And you would look at it and think that it's just a plain old thimble. And it's silver and it has a little detailed design on it and that's mm -hmm. when you want to pay attention because you could run across a sterling silver thimble versus steel do you see those often when you're out i honestly if i'm if i see a box i kind of you know look through it and if there's a lot of different things especially a sewing basket or a box and i'll say you know how much for everything just so that i can go home and <laughs> and look through it because it's more fun when you know you're you're in your own space <laughs> and discover these things but most recently I've sold scissors scissors are something that I pay attention to when I'm at estate sales and the last one that I was at they had some leather pouches that were holding mm -hmm. the scissors and so that led me to believe that they cared a little bit more about what kind of scissors that they had. So I paid attention to um, the styles and I didn't have time to stand there and look them up. So I just grabbed them all and then mm -hmm. went to the checkout and said, you know, how much for all of these? And they said uh, $5. So I just took them all for $5. Then there was about six, six of them. And I got one, one left and I've sold, I think one was like $45, one was 60 but they weren't, you know, hundreds of dollars. Right. But some scissors do sell really well, especially the French type, the small scissors that come in the little kits with the thimbles and the little sewing kits, travel, little travel kits. That, that's one thing I really love about this business is you can go to these sales and find something like the scissors that you mentioned, pay about a buck a piece for them and end up selling them for $40, $50, $60. And what other, what other business can you do that? 
Okay, well, this is a good place to stop for a word from our sponsor. So we will pause right here and we'll be right back. Dealers, you don't have to build your own reference library. WorthPoint has done it for you. With WorthPoint's digital library, you can access over 1,000 books on antiques and collectibles in one convenient place. Find the info you need quickly. Search books by title or author or subject. Dig deep using a keyword search. Don't waste time digging through pages of Google results. Get there quicker with WorthPoint. For a 7-day, 7-look-up free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford. And we're talking about sewing stuff. Let's pick up where we left off. Right. My my last estate sale, I was noticed they had sewing stuff. That's where I bought my scissors. And I noticed also they had this item in a box and I couldn't figure out what it was. I honestly did not know what it was. And I kept picking it up. I'd walk away. Then I'd go back and I'd tip the box because the box was faded. And so I was trying to figure out, and it was called a pleater. It was some type of a pleater machine. <laughs> really? Yeah. So curiosity got me, and I asked them how much it was, and they said $5. So I thought, all right, I'm going to – I couldn't find one on eBay, and I thought I'm just going to go home and, and you know figure it out for 5 bucks. So I came home. And the only place I could find information was on WorthPoint. And on WorthPoint, I discovered that this was called a pollen pleater, which was a smock. It, it made the smocking on like little girls' dresses at the top. My daughters, we used to get them. They were by Polly Flinders. And they were beautifully smocked across the top. So they obviously had some type of a a machine that created that and it had 16 needles and it went across and created this row so you'd have to thread it i have no clue how to use it but i knew how to sell it <laughs> <So>. <laughs> clearly yep so i went home and i did my research and i love the challenge to try to make as much money as possible mm-hmm. so i overpriced it a bit and i actually sold it on Etsy. Did you? And I did. So I priced it. I got $245 for it. Not bad for your $5 investment. (laughs) And I put it on Etsy. And I had it on eBay. And I had it on Etsy. I had it on both. And and it actually sold over there. So I was pretty happy with that profit. (laughs) I guess. This morning I was looking around on eBay and WorthPoint and places looking at sewing things and I pulled up sewing patterns did the filters you know I looked at sold items completed items sorting high to low I was astounded at the prices that some of these patterns bring and mm-hmm. in fact I I usually as I determine a price for something I get rid of the outliers I get rid of the highest ones and the lowest ones because I'm not really sure how valid they are. The highest one was for a designer pattern. I don't recall which designer, but I recognize the name. It went for almost $10,000. And then most of the first page was $1,000, $2,000 going down mm-hmm. from there. But I just couldn't believe that patterns would be going for that. And I guess I don't understand what what the draw is for those 
Well, my guess is they want the original style to make for a costume or their designer. You know, people collect by Vogue or whatever, Butterick or whatever the designer. Right. Not only the maker of the pattern, but the designer that it's the lookalike. I recall that uh, there used to be Joanne Fabrics near where we lived. So Mm -hmm. we spent a fair amount of time in there. You go in there couple times a month and when we would look through patterns a lot of them were opened and i and i see that at sales as well that some of the patterns are opened but they're new how how can you tell the difference between an opened new one and an opened used one and how do you present that in your listing well they're usually if yeah, every pattern I've seen at, at Joanne Fabrics or wherever is always open. They're you know the, it's folded in. That's generally how they count, they came back in the day. But if you pull out the pattern a little bit, you can see if it's been folded differently than than it was packaged. Oh, it's like the maps in my glove compartment. I got you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then, of course, the instructions. So you can tell when you pull it out a little bit if it's been manipulated or, you know, altered in any way. But um, you want to leave it be, of course. But when you're at thrift stores or garage sales or wherever and you see patterns, I know I'm kind of lazy with my patterns. I kind of shove them all back. (laughs) So you can tell, but you might, if I see that, I'm like, okay, I need to see if it's all there. So I would take it out and check the instructions to make sure everything matched and that the instructions were there. So you do want to check those if you're buying them like that. Don't you don't you have to cut the patterns out, the little pieces and some people do. Some people will also um hot press them on to uh a fabric so that they're permanent, so that they, you know, can can cut them out easier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you cut the pieces out. You cut the um, the paper. It's very. It's. I never understood why they made that paper so so thin, <laughs> so delicate. Is it an issue that you might find a used one that didn't have all the parts put back in? It could. And how would you how would you know? Don't we, would you have to lay out the pattern and and check them all? Yeah. Or would you just do like you do with puzzles? And, Hope that they're all there, and just say you say you haven't counted them. No, I would definitely do that with a pattern. I would yeah. take it out because the instructions are generally there, and you can count all the pieces. And even on the back of the pattern, it shows you the diagram of how to lay the pieces, so you can see if all of the A B C D, you know, all of the letters are there. Let's talk for a minute about listing the patterns. I can understand how picture of the front of the pattern with the dress or suit or whatever it is on the front getting a picture of that and then maybe flipping it over and i don't know what's on the back if anything at all but i know you like to use up 12 pictures on your listings what would you take pictures of and what would you put in your title and your description to do a thorough job of listing a pattern Yeah, I would definitely, you know, like you said, do the front and the back. 
But I would also pull out the pattern itself and get, if it's fully pressed, meaning it hasn't been opened or used, you definitely want to show that in your pictures that it's, and you know, just like with books, if I, if I need more photos, I, I will zoom in on the corners of mm -hmm. things or the model number, you know, the pattern number and, you know, any important diagrams that are on the pattern itself, I would zoom in on those. Right. And then as far as the title goes, you're going to use all the words and especially that number because right. some people will be searching just for those numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's like your basic make, model, number, pattern, style. Style is going to be helpful too. Doesn't matter about color. <laughs> right, because you can change the fabric. Are all the patterns that you would find at an estate sale sellable, flippable? Can you, can you make a profit on any of them? If there's one there, should you buy it? Well, not without researching. I mean, sometimes it could be a waste of time if they're just not, you know, valuable. But if you get a bunch of them, you can always put them in a box lot or like, you know, we've said on many shows where you have a shelf that in your in your storage area that's just marked patterns and you just the ones that don't sell good individually let them stack up into that until you have a box lot. So right. that's you know, that's always an option. Well, I did see a lot of bulk lots being sold. Oh, did you? And bringing some pretty good, bringing some pretty good prices. Sure. I've also seen in the sales that I've done and been to sewing kits and sewing boxes that are there and they're selling it complete. Mm -hmm. What kind of things would you expect to see? What do you have in your sewing kit? I actually use a jewelry box. <laughs> is my mm -hmm. sewing kit and then it opens up you know the top opens up and then you would have the little compartments where you put your rings and things i have mm -hmm. i have bobbins and mm -hmm. and thread in that so i don't have a proper sewing box i have mm -hmm. i have that a jewelry box so there you go if you have an old jewelry box you can always advertise it as a sewing box another thing i wanted to mention was the fabric Actually, when I was doing a lot of consulting, I had a lady come to me and all she sold was fabric on her eBay store. Wow. But she would sell them in bulk or you could order them by the yard. You could right. order it. So she, I had to help her set up her item specifics so that she could have one yard, two yards, three yards, and then um, people could order her fabric that way. And she, as far as I know, she's still doing very well on eBay selling fabric. Yeah. But I've also gotten at estate sales half-finished quilts where, really, you know, grandma didn't finish the quilt. <laughs> and yeah, there'd be just pieces of squares. Right. And you can still sell those. I've I've done well at listing those as fabric squares, unfinished quilt, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've had I've sold those as well. Well, here we are, Dana. The Singer sewing machine clock on the wall says that it's time to to close out the episode. So we'll we'll sew this one up and take a deep breath and think of something for next week. Dana, it's been real. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too, Wayne. 
You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Point.